The following message is from New Life Gillette series, Follow Me. This week, Pastor Paul begins part one of this series. It is so good to be with all of you in the room today. And for those of you uh, over at the prison and the jail, it is so awesome to be with you every week. And for those of you watching online around the world, because we have people in Germany, family that's there in Germany almost every week, hangs out with us. There's people in Salt Lake City. Maybe you're one of those uh, down in Denver, Omaha, Nebraska. It's crazy when we look at who's watching and where they are that we have people all over the place. Isn't that cool? And so it's so cool that new life is around the world. And so it's good to be with all of you today because today we're jumping into a new sermon series and it is called Follow Me. And I'm so excited about this sermon series because of the direct where we're going with this and, and learning what it means to follow even at a different level. Because whether you believe it or not, we've been doing that all of our lives. From the time we're littles, we're already learning this idea of following others because we follow our parents around the yard or around the house and doing things that they do. And, and we just start to learn how to do life from early on by following them. And then as we get a little bit bigger, we start finding some friends and some peers and we start doing things like follow the leader and Simon says, and we start following them. And sometimes our friends lead us in a good direction and sometimes our friends didn't. And so we, we, we learned some of the ins and outs of following others. And as we continue to grow up, we have others that pull alongside like coaches and teachers and music directors, youth pastors, children's pastors, Pastor Mike. And we start to learn this journey of following at another level. And as we get even bigger as adults, we start having jobs and we have people who manage us and lead us and, and help us to know what we're supposed to do at different times. And in just in society in general, we have these people who are political leaders. Sometimes we're happy about it. Sometimes we're not as happy about it, but they lead us and we follow and, and we learn how to live life in those ways. And then we, we had a sermon series a couple of months ago called Phone Zombies. Remember that one where we talked about this thing of following people on social media. And we do that in so many different ways of, of getting followers and commenting. And for just to give you, for instance, I would invite you, if you're not already, to be get part of the New Life Facebook group. Yes, we have just a regular page as well, but if you want to see more of what's going on in the, the body here, we put all kinds of things on the group that doesn't make it to other places. So Ask to follow us there. Jump on board with the Facebook group for New Life and you'll continue to see different things that we do. And that's, you know, following is just a normal part of life for us. We follow all the time. And so as we think about this journey of following and leading, you know, if you wanted to, there are tons of books out there. If you wanted to be a leader, you can go to conferences, listen to podcasts, you can read books, and you can learn how to be a better leader. But what about the other part of it, the following? Is there a lot of books out there to help us better understand how do we be a better follower? And so we, we're going to be studying this idea a little bit and talking about because we are called to be followers of Christ. Well, what does that look like and how does that play out in our lives? Well, one of the things that 
as I was coming into this sermon today that struck me is I, I think about some of the different people who have taught me or who I've read up on as leaders and followers. And one of them used to live not too far from me down the road when I lived in Pennsylvania. His name is Richard Winters. Some of you might know his name if you studied any history. He was a great leader during the Second World War. And he was a, he started as lieutenant at the beginning of the World War II, and then he made it all the way up to being a major by the end because of how great of a leader he was. And you might be wondering, why am I talking about him as a leader today? Well, we just came out of Memorial Day. And so my mind is thinking a little bit about those who have served in our place and given up that ultimate sacrifice. But also, why do I think about him is because of the great leader that he was. And also today is June 5th, meaning tomorrow is June 6th. Who knows what June 6th is in history? It is D-Day. So that is the day that the Allied forces during World War II, when they first started into Europe to start pushing Hitler out of the way. Well, Richard Winters, part of the Easy Company 506 Regiment, 101st Airborne Division, was there. He was there on D-Day, and he had a, leading his troops, he had a major responsibility of there was these huge cannons that were showering shells down on the soldiers as they were coming onto the beaches, and they were tasked with taking care of those cannons. So I'm going to watch, you watch a little clip here for me, and, and as you do, you'll hear a little bit about that job that they were asked to perform, but more importantly, I want you to hear Winters talk about leadership and talk about his men that he was leading, and then also you're going to hear a little bit from those who were willing to follow and what it meant for them as they followed. Check this out. We thought we knew where every foxhole was in Normandy. We knew where everything was. We knew it cold. But on this one, the Germans had moved in there and camouflaged us so well, we didn't know it was there. company was the assault company of the battalion and we were been trained from special assaults and whatnot special assignments but they weren't aware of what we had they didn't realize we only had 12 people so we, we worked our way down through a through the farm area to a hedgerow and lieutenant winters had us set up a firing position and uh, went up to scout it for myself crawled out along this hedgerow to get a little closer to look it over and I felt I could see a trench and I thought I knew where our machine gun was. Winters was a, an exceptional leader and he was able to size up all through the war, size up combat situations and decide quickly and correctly the best way to take care of the whatever the problem was. If you're a leader, you lead the way. Not just uh, on the easy ones, you take the tough ones too. A good leader has to understand the people that are under him, understand their, their needs, their, their desires, or how they think a little bit. Seemed like he always made the right decisions along the way. He was a real soldier. Like some of the, some of the officers, uh, I don't think I'd 
follow them in the water. But uh, he was he was one of the best. He went right in there and he didn't know. Uh, he never thought of not being first or sending somebody in his place. I don't know how he survived. But he did. I look upon them, each man with great respect, respect I can't describe. Each one of them proved himself uh, that he could do the job. We've been through Normandy. We've been through battle. And maybe if I had been harder, if I had done a little bit better job, there would have been a couple more men going home. You hear the hearts of the people that were with him on this journey and their willingness to place themselves under him and follow. And it was because of how he led. Winters is a man of faith. It's so cool to hear some more of his story. Uh, maybe you want to check that out because he led with a love and a respect that he had for his guys and his guys then were willing to follow. And as we think about us then, we're, we're also asked in different ways at different times to follow others. And so the question we have, are we willing to? Are we willing to put ourselves in front of that, those individuals or behind them and willing to go where they call us to go? What if it's Jesus sharing these words with us? Because he does. We find all throughout scripture, God sharing this call on the people of God to follow him. All the way back to the Old Testament, we find God giving the law and saying, here's the best way to live. Trust me, obey me, follow me, and you will have a great life. And then as we go on in the story, we find the people start going a different direction. And so God sends prophets and says, hey, tell the people I'm over here. Turn around. I'm over this way. Follow me. God is constantly calling the people to turn around and come back to God so that he can better lead them in life. And Jesus, we find in, throughout the gospels, 13 different times where he shares those two words, follow me. Many of the times he's sharing with his disciples, asking them to come on a journey with him. But there's more than just those times with the disciples. It's other people that he also shares those words with. Follow me. Well, if you were asked by Jesus to follow, would you? Now, before you answer quickly, yes, maybe we need to think this through a little bit and see how this guy responded when Jesus shares those words with him. We find ourselves in Mark chapter 10 with a guy, his, we know him as the rich young ruler, and you'll see that come out later with a guy, he was, he was a well-off guy. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So we see this guy coming up to Jesus and instantly he shows a level of respect as he's willing to kneel down and, and show that Jesus is up here, he's down here. Now, we see that he says this because he's a good teacher. And so he, he sees that he has a level of authority. He has some disciples around him. So because, we don't know what else he knows about Jesus, but he at least shows this sense of respect for him. 
And then he asks for this thing, eternal life. Now, you think about that. That's a pretty good thing, isn't it? He's asking for eternal life. How many of you here are thinking, I want to know that answer? Yeah, we want to, that's a good thing, right? Eternal life, a blessed life. We want to get into that. And so maybe some of you are saying, let's cut to the chase. Let's get to the answer right away. You know, patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Maybe we should work on that a little bit. Kidding, let's go forward. Uh, You know, Jesus now has an opportunity to interact with this guy, to take him on a journey. Let's see what Jesus says. And Jesus is about to have a comical moment with him if you pay attention closely. Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God, wink, wink, is truly good. But to answer your question, so if those of you who are just waiting for the question to be answered, he's about to answer that, even though he was just winking because he's God. I don't think the guy knows that yet, so we'll go on with the story. So the answer to your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and your mother. So what is Jesus sharing with him as the answer? But he's, he's taken him back to the Ten Commandments. Any Jewish person in that time period, if they knew anything in Scripture, they would have known the Ten Commandments. And so Jesus just starts sharing the list of them, showing that this is part of that journey. Now, can you imagine the guy as he's hearing? I mean, this is a checklist, isn't it? How many of you here, as you go through life, love a good checklist? Things that you can check off when you get them done. Is there anybody out there? There's a few of you out there willing to admit that. I mean, some of us love having a good checklist because we know then when we're getting it done, we're, we're feeling good about the day. Well, this guy, you can just imagine his smile getting bigger and bigger as Jesus listen, don't steal, check. Don't commit adultery, check. Don't murder, check. And it's just getting bigger with the big smile and he's getting all wound up. He says this, teacher, The man replied, I've obeyed all of these commandments since I was young. He's feeling good, isn't he? And we love being able to give that answer, don't we? When we are tasked with something, we're asked to do something, we love to be saying, yes, I did it. Did you take out the trash? Check, yes, I did. Did you put gas in the car? Check, yes, I did. And I also got my second mortgage so I could put the gas in the car. We do this with kids, don't we? We ask them, did you say thank you? Check, yes, I did, mommy. Did you say please? Yes, daddy, I said please. And we we do these checkoff lists and we feel good when we're able to reply and let it be known, yes, I got her done. But with this man, how's he feeling right now? Because he's feeling good that the checkoff list is going well, but we, do we think that Jesus is going to let it there? Is there potentially a catch? Well, let's not call it a catch. Let's call it a journey. Because so often Jesus loves saying to each and every one of us, come as you are. I'll take you where you are, and then I'm not going to leave you there, but I'm going to help you to become who God created you to be. Jesus wants to take this guy on a journey if he's willing. How does Jesus feel about the guy? Looking at the man, Jesus felt a genuine love for him. And the cool thing, this word love here, it's the one Pastor Mike talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's that Greek word agape, which is that word of sacrifice. It's loving with sacrifice. So Jesus has this genuine love for this man that is sacrificial, that Jesus basically saying, I love you so much that pretty soon I'm going to be going to the cross to die for you. 
Why does Jesus have to die for this man? Well, because Jesus, even though he understands that he has this checkoff list, that he, he just said, I got all of those ones tackled. Jesus sees the bigger picture and that there's some more things on the list that he hasn't checked off. Jesus knows that this man is a sinner. And he knows that each and every one of us are a sinner. And so here's the deal. If we try to check all the boxes to get eternal life, if we're doing it on our own merit, we will fail every time. We can't do it on our own. It's an impossibility. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glory. There's something on the list that each and every one of us have fallen short on. But even though Jesus knows that this man is a sinner, even though he knows that every single one of us are here, Jesus still meets him where he is. And he has a genuine love for him. Isn't that the coolest line? Jesus knows he's a sinner. He's going to be the reason that Jesus is going to have to die on the cross. But yet Jesus has a genuine love for him and for each and every one of us because he wants to get us to that journey towards eternal life. So out of that genuine love, Jesus is now ready to take him a little bit farther on the journey. Let's see if the man's willing to go. There's still one thing that you haven't done, he told him. Can you imagine this guy's eyes just light up? Just one thing, because I got that first list. I've been checking them off, man. Just one more thing. He gets that list back out and he's ready to put a big old check mark there. You know he is. He's ready. You think it's going to be something good? Or maybe not. Let's see where Jesus takes him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Well, we finally got to those words, follow me. But do you think the guy heard them after hearing what he just heard above? <laughs> the guy was certainly struggling at this point. Do you ever have one of those moments where you had all of this excitement, energy going on, only to have it dissipate quickly? I think, you know, ever been at a uh, surprise birthday party or some type of party that's supposed to be a surprise and everybody is wound up, you're expecting the people to walk through the door all of a sudden and then someone else walks through the door and you have, so all the energy just comes down in a moment. Well, this guy here, because he was wealthy, all of a sudden, he's expecting just to be able to check off the box. Instead, he's saying, let's play, let's make a deal because I want to know what's behind curtain number two because I didn't like curtain number one. He came to Jesus empty, longing for something that his money, his wealth couldn't buy. But all of a sudden, where is he? At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Now, before any of you start getting up and walking out thinking, I'm like that guy. I've got some wealth and I've got a bunch of possessions and things and well, I'm, I might be wanting this eternal life journey, but maybe I don't want what he's getting. And so, well, before you start getting up and walking out, let's think this through a little bit about what Jesus is asking him and how potentially it applies to us. Because here's the deal. Jesus is sharing a specific word with a specific man for a specific reason. 
But as we look at what Jesus shared with him, in comparison to the totality of scripture, the rest of the biblical story, Jesus, God, never at any point to any other person told them that you needed to take and sell all of your possessions, take all of your wealth and give it all away to the poor. He never did. Now, did Jesus tell us at different times that we should help the poor? Absolutely. Did he help us to understand that we should be people of generosity? Well, sure. Pastor Mike shared a text about that this morning. Does he help us understand of trusting God with our finances? Absolutely. But for this man, because of Jesus knowing the bigger picture of this man's story, Jesus shared what this what was holding this man back the thing that was keeping this guy from truly understanding how to find the blessed kingdom life here today. You see, Jesus, he shared that checklist with the guy, the one from the 10 commandments, the second half of the 10 commandments where the guy was able to check them all off. But Jesus also knew this man's life and he knew the beginning part of that checklist, the beginning of those 10 commandments. And Jesus knew that it was up there where he was wishing that guy would hear him say, follow me. Because it's in Exodus chapter 20 where we see the beginning part of that list and it goes like this. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself any idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. And you must not bow down to them or worship them. You see, the guy was good at those ones at the bottom part of the list, but this one here, where he was supposed to trust God with his life, instead, what this man did is what he, so many of us often do, is instead of having God up here, the one that we worship, the one that we put our faith in, our security is in it, our identity, instead of having God be at the top, so oftentimes we still have God around, but we have other things in our life. With this guy, it was his wealth and his possessions. He put it up there and that's where his identity was. That's where his security was. That's where he believed he had faith in. It's what he worshiped or it's what he considered to have great worth. And if that ever came crashing down, you can imagine how his world would be turned upside down because that's where his faith was. But what if we had God up there instead? So oftentimes there's some of us in the room that need to pay attention because some of us are like this guy and we have our money and our wealth and our possessions up here and that's what guides us. It's how we communicate. It's what we have our strength in and our faith in. It's what our identity is in. And we struggle with life because we get anxious. We get nervous because what if there's inflation? What if things happen in this world that causes my finances to not be as strong? For some of us, it's not finances. For some of us, it's sports. You know, maybe it's us playing sports, still living in the day when we, back when I was young and used to be great at sports. Or maybe it's our kids playing sports and it's guiding our life. We're there all the time and it's just consuming us. Or maybe it's sports that we have our favorite team out there and it becomes our idol that we live by, we chase after, we are always wanting to be out what that, that team is about. Or maybe it's, it's your job. You know, we all, all have had different jobs, whether it was in the home or at the workplace. We have jobs and sometimes we get consumed by those jobs that we get lifted up here and it gets so 
overwhelming to us that we lose sight of other things in life that are maybe more important. For some of us, it's relationships. I know that some teenagers, I've watched teenagers before that they get their first love. Ah, but sometimes that first love, they get so excited about that first love that they lose sight of everything else and they raise up that relationship to be so much more important than anything else. What's yours? Maybe yours is something different, but we have these moments where we allow these things in our lives to take our precedence, to, take, to become our identity, become our security. And when they crumble a little bit, man, our life gets out of whack. But what if? What if? Well, the good news is Jesus wasn't done. Now the guy, he walked off. He was done with Jesus because he didn't like what he heard. And unfortunately, he missed out on understanding those two most important words, follow me. So Jesus had a moment with the disciples instead. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed the disciples. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Do you realize the imagery that Jesus shares there? How, I mean, the, the disciples were beside themselves because of this image that he shares, how big this is. Because I don't know what you have, has any of you ever tried to put a thread through a needle and you lick it and then you lick it and you twist it and you lick it? Do you imagine how many times you have to lick a camel to get it through that needle? I mean, the disciples see the image that Jesus is sharing here and it is huge. The, the craziness of what he is saying. How in the world, what, how did the disciples respond? They say this, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved from the life without to a life with? They were just overwhelmed. Is there any way possible? Jesus responded. Jesus looked at them and intently said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. If you try to do it on your own, you're going to fail every time because we have checkoff lists and we have other things that we allow to get up above us that we focus upon and take our minds off of God. So what do we do? Jesus says, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Do you remember back in the earlier part of the story when the guy first approaches Jesus and he says, good teacher, and Jesus winks at the disciples because he wants to get this message across to this guy of just who he is. He says, Why do you call me good? Jesus wants him to know, don't listen to me just because I teach good. There's a lot of people who teach good out there, but instead, listen to me because I am a good God who wants to teach you, who wants to show you the better life, who wants to help you to understand that if you take these things that you're allowing to guide you and lead you in life, these things that you're putting up here and distracting you from the better life, these things that are your identity and your security, if you're willing to take and put me up here, put your faith in me, find your identity in me, your security in me, then Jesus says, I'm going to help you then with the rest of your life, with your finances, 
with your relationships, with how to handle sports, with how to be a good employee. Jesus says, know that I am a good God. Put your faith in me, follow me, and find the kingdom life. You know, last week, Pastor Mike talked about the Apostle Paul and shared this imagery of Paul later on in his journey after he had surrendered his life to Christ and over and over sacrificed his life for the sake of the gospel of Christ. And Paul found great joy and hope and peace in that journey. But before he got there, as we look back earlier in Paul's story, he was like this rich young ruler. He was one who had other things that were guiding him. He had God in the mix, but he had his popularity and his power and his prestige. And those were the things that he lifted up, that he worshiped, that he wanted to be about the checklist of living his life as a good Jewish leader. But then he met Jesus and everything changed. He responded differently than what the rich young ruler said when Jesus says, Paul, follow me. Paul says this in Philippians chapter three. I once thought that these things that were up here were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness, check, 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 through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. Do you see the difference? And because of Paul's willingness to hear the call of Jesus on his life for his willingness to be transformed and <clears throat> reverse it and put Jesus up here. <clears throat> Everything else that was in his life that he now was willing to discard, Jesus now simply led him on how to live with all of that other stuff in life. And through that, Paul lived a life of hope, knowing he was loved unconditionally, finding joy even when he was being beaten down and finding peace even in the turmoils of life. What about you? Because Jesus looks at each and every one of us here and he does call on us, follow me. You know, there's some of you in the room here that maybe you haven't even made that first step yet. You, you heard about these people this morning getting baptized and some of them, their lights are on their wall because they just recently said, I'm following Jesus. I recognize that Jesus paid the price for me in the cross. He took my sins and the death that I deserved on the cross. Jesus took my place because he looked into my heart with that genuine love and said, I'm willing to die for each and every one of you so that you can live into eternal life. Do you want to put your faith in Christ today? Are you in that place after running from him of looking for other things in life to try to find that hope and peace? Are you ready now today to say, I want to know Jesus? If that's you, I would love for you to take the I am decided card. 
or I have decided card. And right at the top of the list, okay, it's a checklist, I know, but at the top of that list, it's an opportunity for you to check, I commit my life to Jesus. And I invite you to bring that up to one of our prayer warriors who are gonna be up here after the service, hand it to them, they wanna pray with you. And then we're gonna take this card and we're gonna start sending you some information to help you to learn how to take some next steps on that journey of following Jesus. I invite you on that journey with us. Now, for the rest of us who maybe we've already taken that initial step, we said, yes, Jesus, I put my faith in you. I thank you for the eternal life that you place in front of me by, because of my faith in you. But even though we've said yes to Jesus as our savior, there's still some parts of our lives that we are still saying, Jesus, I still want to be the boss of this part of my life whatever that is for you in your life. And Jesus says, you're missing out. You're missing out because there's such a better life if you're willing to allow me to take that step in your life, to put your faith in me, to follow me, to allow me to lead you and guide you. So what's yours? What is that thing that you are still holding on to you and is holding you back from the best life, the kingdom life that can be found here on earth as we head towards the eternal life? Here's what I want you to do with it. Whatever it is, whatever you can imagine that is in your life that's holding you back from a better journey with Jesus, I want you to hold it in your hands right now. Just grab hold of it. Just pretend it's right there. And And as I pray, I'm going to invite you in a certain moment to drop it at the feet of Jesus. God, you call us to follow you, Jesus. You show that there's a lot of things in life that can hold us back from that, like this guy that you encountered in the story. And God, you invite us to follow you, to put our trust in you so that this stuff that hinders us some days from following you, you invite us to follow you so that we can find a better life, even in those areas where we have put our identity and our security. God, so oftentimes if we keep it there, it's like sandy soil and we sink. But Lord Jesus, we pray that as we take this thing that's in our hands, this thing that is holding us back from following you with abandon. God, I just pray that as we now drop it at your feet, that you will take it and put it in its proper place and allow us to put you above us so that we will worship you, that we will obey you, we will follow you so that we can find the better life that you have in store for each and every one of us. And Lord Jesus, for those people here today that are now saying, I commit my life to you for that first time. Lord Jesus, you're celebrating today. You're celebrating with us as we get ready to put a light on a wall up here to celebrate and to look forward to the journey of faith that these people are now putting in front of them as they put their faith in you for their eternal life. Thanks, God. We pray these things in your holy name. And all God's people said, amen.